to the Insight to Action podcast. My name is Donna Jones. I believe that we've got real opportunities to become much more aware, raise our consciousness level, see a bigger picture, and make our decisions matter where it counts most. And one of those ways is by recognizing that diversity is a critical component for our success overall, both in workplace and in personal lives. And to that end, we're having a conversation today about neurodiversity in the workplace. My first encounter with autism was in Los Angeles with a colleague of mine whose name is Johnny Seitz. Now, Johnny was not your ordinary, he was a dysfunctional autistic individual when, as a kid, but eventually he grew into an extremely functional individual. And what he could do that no one else could do was see into your muscular structure, the skeletal structure. And so eventually he became the guy that when Dick Clark had a stroke, Dick Clark, the television broadcaster, had a stroke and couldn't couldn't come back from it, they called up Johnny because Johnny was the guy who would look at the body system, he would watch how someone moved, and he would know exactly which muscle group to activate in order to restore full balance in the in the physical system. So they brought they said basically called him up and said, We don't know we we can't help him in the conventional system anymore. Johnny you're the guy, can you see what you can do? And Johnny put Dick Clark back on screen. So that was my first introduction to what we call autism, which, in fact, from my point of view, is more of a pathological lens than one that reflects the unique and specialized intelligence. So we often hear about autism as a brain disorder, but when you look at it as a specialized form of intelligence, a massive pool of untapped talent for companies seeking talent. Today, I've got a wonderful opportunity to chat with Carol Simpson, who has started the the Focus Professional Services, which provides software testing and data quality services to organizations and companies in the Vancouver, Canada area. Now, the solution that Carol's company offers is one that really recognizes the unique advantage of these neuro specialized intelligence. And I'm going to use that frame because I'm not that fond of, of a pathology, uh, pathological view. I'm more keen to recognize that we have a variety of intelligences out there, and really what we're learning is how do you work with them successfully? So rather than conforming, how do we use the diversified intelligences that we've got available to us? Because those on the autistic spectrum come with a really remarkable ability in both pattern recognition, attention to detail, sequencing and logic, and have the capacity to see things others don't, but they're missing the social and communication skills. So Carol, if you would, share a story of, of one of your team members. One of my team members is a young man who has never held a job before and was seen as a fairly difficult person, and people tended to want to avoid him. So he proved to be have the abilities, you know, the aptitude to work in the IT field because we put our employees through a really rigorous screening process. And he scored very highly in his abilities, um, in his aptitudes and talent. So we put him through the training, and he learned a lot in, the, in that process around what it means to work in an office environment, behaviors that were acceptable and behaviors that were not acceptable. And over the 200 hours of training, he was able to adapt because he was keen to learn. So he was really very coachable. Today, he's working at one of our client sites, and he is a top performer. Everyone thinks that he's just 
absolutely fantastic. He's actually a really personable, well-adjusted young man. So this is a wonderful story of transformation from someone who, who may not have been able to fit in and felt isolated or ostracized on the fringe and through your training program, uh, make you know cover the arc so they can actually contribute. Yes. What do your clients get from that? Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you an example of a situation that we had at one of our client sites. The client was in the position of having a really tight deadline for delivery, which is really common in the IT world, and was concerned about making their quality metrics at the same time. So they brought in three of our employees who joined their team, and the focus employees actually outperformed not only all the expectations, but were as fast as or faster while maintaining quality of work as any of the other non-focus team members. The client came in early on their deadline and met all their quality metrics. And one person from that client said that it was a humbling experience. And another said that they wiped out the word disability. (laughs) I love that. Isn't that nice? (laughs) (laughs) It's just what what we'd always hope for. You know, it's, it's what do you focus on, the disability or the ability? And, and it's so nice when, when the uh, shift takes place. So, Yes, absolutely. That's got to be super rewarding for you. What inspired you to get Focus started? Because it's not a, you know, you, you've taken on a fairly challenging endeavor here. What, what got you started on this and, and, and why? When it comes to challenges in my personal life, I am the single mother of two adult sons who are on the spectrum. So I'm up for challenges, <laughs> as any parent of an autistic person would, would be able to tell you. What inspired me were other companies in Europe in particular, and then later in Canada, who had autistic employees who were providing IT services to businesses. So my background is IT. I've been in the software and management field for more years than I'd care to disclose, really. And I thought that, okay, if if this business model can work in Belgium and Denmark and Germany and then later in Calgary, it can work in Vancouver. So I thought, all right, I'm the person to do it because I've got the IT background, I've got the exposure to autism, and, and I've got the drive to do it. And I would have to say that it has been the most rewarding career challenge I have ever encountered. I have found that my heart is in it, and I've got everything invested in proving that hiring individuals on the spectrum is good business. We are a for-profit organization, and so I I, I need to look at the bottom line, I need to look at quality of service, and I need to look at sustainability of the business. And I'm out to prove that hiring people on the spectrum, you can achieve all of those typical business goals while also achieving a social agenda. Yeah, which I personally think is brilliant because this is what we need. We've got a whole bunch of people sidelined due to unconscious bias and and a whole bunch of of, um, fear around diversity and differences. And yet, you know, then that's why I appreciate what you're doing is just to wade in and, and face that head on. Yeah. How do you engage your clients? Because not all clients will have the kind of brain that says, and it's certainly in Vancouver, I know, and it's probably elsewhere in the world, people will hire on the basis of appearance. They'll say, oh, I'm looking for somebody who doesn't have tattoos, doesn't have earrings in there, you know, who who fits my image of who someone should be. 
And so, you know, even gender or, or transgender, <laughs> whatever, there's a number of screens that people use unconsciously to eliminate talent from their pool without knowing it. Do you run into that kind of unconscious bias, you know, the fear of diversity difference when you're working with or marketing to your clients? Yes, I do. And the two biggest fears is having to do with the unknown. You know, like what is autism? What will be expected of me? Uh, What will be the accommodations? Will I be able to handle them? Will I have the time? And then the risk associated with commitment. Do I really want to go out on a limb and take a chance? So to mitigate these barriers, you know, we focus on the strengths of individuals. So we say you've got to look at the aptitude, the abilities, and the talent that these people are bringing into your organization. Because the quality of the workmanship, that really should be the the defining factor in, in choosing your team members. No kidding, like merit. Absolutely. And uh, rather than seeing if they're a good social fit or they'll fit the perceived culture of the company. Because what we also find is that once autistic individuals are introduced into a workplace, there are a number of very interesting transformations that occur. And one of them is that the other employees, as they learn and grow at a personal level around working with neurodiverse individuals, they actually start appreciating their employer more. They start feeling really good about themselves and their growth. So it ends up being a feel good as well as getting really good results. And we find that the workplace, anything that a person on the autism spectrum needs, for example, clear instructions, And those clear instructions don't have to be written down. They can just be clarification upon clarification upon clarification through the conversation. Those clarifications help all the employees because what will happen is that somebody who isn't on the spectrum can sometimes be shy about speaking up and saying, I don't understand (laughs) because they don't want to look foolish. Whereas the person on the spectrum will put their hand up and say, I don't understand. They, they don't have that social filter around how they're going to be perceived. And so they will drill down until they do understand. And that benefits everybody. Gosh, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about here is just nailing the most the majority of communications issues that most companies and teams have. It's 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 not being out front about I don't get what you're trying to communicate, or I think I do, but then you deliver the wrong thing and people blow up, so they know what they don't want, but they can't articulate clearly what they do want. So this is this is a brilliant side effect of bringing. Um, oh, I love it. Tell us more. Let's let's. <laughs> what other side effects have surfaced as a result of bringing in um, neurodiverse? individuals into the workplace. One of the things that we do right at the very start of a contract before we actually place our employees at a client site is that we'll go on into the workplace and present hour-long presentations on, you know, quote, autism in the workplace. In one hour, it's surprising how much you can really cover off. With some of my clients, I've given that presentation multiple times. So at one client site, I would say that about 700 of their employees heard this presentation. And at another client site, I'd say about 300. What happens is that afterwards, I'll have various 
client employees come up to me and start talking about a team member or themselves or a family member where they have observed some of these behaviors. And I reassure them by telling them that, yes, all of these behaviors are on a spectrum of human behaviors. And at some point, you go past a tipping point and you can actually have a diagnosis. But really, we're just talking about human behaviors and and a spectrum of them. And then at some point, those behaviors form a diagnosis called autism. But it isn't as if the behaviors are foreign to the human condition. What you're speaking to here is the is the reality that we are all humans, and we just come packaged in different ways. That's absolutely, and they, and that's what's really exciting about about the process of, of widening the lens and bringing embracing other forms of intelligence, because that that is the place where we become more attuned and more compassionate toward the human condition, and therefore we can accomplish more, much more. Absolutely. And and what happens through that training is that it starts breaking down some of the barriers of the, of the fears because the known or the unknown becomes the known. So they listen to it and it's like, oh, wow, I, I think I can do this. So it reassures them. And, it, you know, it's a matter of giving them confidence and license to say, yes, you can. You know, this is this is not something where you're going to have to behave totally differently with the people on the spectrum than with the rest of your client, your the rest of your employees, your team members. You may have to tone down on sarcasm, you know, and innuendos and speak plainly, like say what you mean and mean what you say. So that's another phrase that we use as well. Well, and, and what I love, I love about that is that what you're doing is cleaning up the laziness in the communication inside a company at the same time. So instead of dealing with an emotional issue, somebody will be sarcastic or, or, or spin it off and, and sort of drop it on people. Whereas with this kind of conversation in the workplace, you actually have to clean up that kind of garbage and ensure that you actually have quality conversations. And boy, that changes performance. Well, it sure does, and it sure changes the atmosphere in the workplace because if you are working in an environment where there is a lot of innuendo and there is a lot of sarcasm, that actually produces a fairly toxic environment and it can get in the way of people feeling comfortable being themselves and just focusing on the work at hand. So by being direct and still respectful, your workplace actually becomes a kinder work environment. And I think it's nice when people can actually wake up in the morning and say, I really want to go to work. Well, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> what, a, what a concept. I know that the big companies like SAP was one of the first to start hiring off the autistic spectrum. Uh, Microsoft had been doing it. Now I noticed recently HP, Hewlett Packard is now starting to do it. Finding a pipeline for those on the spectrum isn't easy because they've discovered that that you know I mean, you can find a pipeline for everybody else easily. You just announce you're looking for jobs, but getting those specialized intelligence individuals is more difficult. How do you how do people find you? How do you find your talent that works on your te- that work on your teams? No, that's a very good question, and I have a, a very wide network when it comes to autism, mainly because my two sons are on the spectrum, and so I've got informal contacts where when it's time for me to recruit another group of employees, I'll let all of my informal contacts know. And some of them are in the university. Some of them are 
professional service providers like psychologists. Others are in colleges and others are running informal networks of people on the autism spectrum. So it's very much a grassroots kind of approach. Then I also pull in employment services. So that's more of a formalized approach. I'm thinking of expanding that out and also recruiting through the normal channels as well. But typically when I go out and recruit, I get a lot more candidates, applicants in than what I can hire. Well, for the moment anyway. For the moment. (laughs) I I expect that will change as people catch on to the fact that they're overlooking a large pool of talent. Now, for those who are on the spectrum, and when we're talking about here the autistic spectrum, which includes Asperger's and so forth, for those who are on the spectrum, after you've been put down and isolated and, 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 you know, marginalized for a period of time because you are different, you've got to overcome a certain amount of uh, a lack of acceptance, if you will, or rejection, depending on how you frame it, and all, uh, doubled up if they haven't had the kind of support that you've been able to give to your two boys. How do, how do what, what adjustments do the, well, first of all, how do they, the, the newcomers coming in who are, like, like the story you told at the very beginning, what's their journey in going from being marginalized into being a contributing member of your team? What I say to those individuals is that the world is changing. And unfortunately, it's not changing fast enough, but it is changing. Neurodiversity is becoming more known. And through it being more known and understood, there's greater acceptance occurring. And what I suggest to people on the spectrum is always take a positive learning experience from even the worst situations and know that bad behavior from others such as discrimination and insensitivity towards you is not about you, but about the other person. And don't let it stop you from getting back in there and trying again. One of my employees, he's in his uh, mid-30s and he has his Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics. And in those few years in which he's been out in the job market, he has had 14 different jobs. So he was able to actually get the job, but he was not able to retain it. That focus, we have placed him at a client site where he is doing work that, number one, he loves. Number two, he is excellent at it. And number three, they think he's a star. And he is a star. So it's a matter of finding the right place for yourself and always seek out what it is that you love. So if you're somebody who loves drawing, loves artwork, then go into that field. If you're somebody who really likes IT, then go into that field. So follow your heart. And, you know, this is so profoundly human. It's, (laughs) I mean, you don't have, we don't have to be talking about neuro, neuro specialized individuals. No. This is common across the human condition. Yes, it is. Yeah, what I have found in my life as an older individual, but not too old, okay, is that everybody, everybody has things happen in their lives. Nobody seems to get off scot-free. People just don't get off scot-free. But it's what you do with those experiences. It's how you grow internally and gain greater awareness and strength 
within yourself to then move forward. I mean, and that is what really counts. Yeah, absolutely. All the way. That's where the resilience steps up. I mean, it's, it's really about developing yeah. resilience. So things go sideways. Do you turn yourself into the victim of circumstance and shrink? Or do you say, well, that was interesting, learn, move on. And, and yeah, you, you've nailed it. You've nailed that process exactly. A personal story of mine, and it has to do more with education, is that my older son was told in high school that he should not aspire toward getting his high school diploma, that not all students are capable of getting their high school diploma, and he was one of them. Well, my older son today is getting his master's degree in mathematics at the University of D.C. Fantastic. He's an absolutely brilliant young man. If he had have listened to his guidance counselors and teachers in high school, he would not have attained what, for him, what is his dream. So don't, don't let others discourage you. Go after what your dream is. You know, I, I love this. Speak. If, you go, if you go on the TED Talks and you Google Jacob Barnett, you'll see the story of a kid who, at two, was told he wouldn't, his, his mother was told he'd never be able to tie his own shoelaces. He's blown him out too much. Well, and then he does a TED Talk and he's 14. He's in the institute that is, uh, Stephen Hawking's is on the board. He's, he's, a, he's come up with his own mathematical formulas, original math, and he solved one of the unsolvable mathematical formulas. So here's a kid that goes, well, you know what? They were right. I still can't tie my shoes. I prefer Velcro or flip-flop. He was wearing um, flip-flop. But, but he's doing doctoral-level math at 14, 15, 16. So, you know, yes, yeah. you know, there's truth to won't be able to uh, get a high school diploma but can get a master's. <laughs> right. Okay, so 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 I really relate to, to uh, your story because <laughs> my older son cannot tie shoelaces. <laughs> So so we, we buy them slip-on shoes. Like, this is not the end of the world. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but he's very close to having a couple of math papers published. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, this is where we really get down to what can you accomplish when you focus yeah. on what you love and when you clear the little minor things like shoelaces out of the way and just continue to focus on what what's possible and that, that pure potentiality that's sitting inside someone. So I, that's brilliant. What have your kids taught you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I guess we should do another program on that, right? <laughs> oh, I, I think so. No, I am so eternally grateful to my two sons, and, and I really admire them. Uh, they get up every day, and they take on the world. And they are really kind-hearted young men. I, I am just so unbelievably proud of them. So you must feel that way too with some of your employees because they, they have, have jumped these hurdles and, and are now, you know, walking into workplaces and, and doing some really outstanding work in a field that, to be honest, I mean, the IT world and coding and all that stuff, there's a lot of things that can go sideways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and there could be lots of changes that happen in the workplace too. Priorities change. You're in the middle of a project or a task in that project, and somebody comes running and says, "No, we've got to stop that. We've got to go do this over here instead." And people on the spectrum are typically individuals who don't like a lot of disruption and change. While the staff at Focus, they they learn 
that, no, this is the nature of the beast in IT. So guess what? We're going to learn how to adapt and change. So one of my employees, he he took that skill and applied it in his personal life where for the very first time ever, he flew on a plane. And he did it by himself. He was flying down to the States to visit his girlfriend. And on the return trip, one of his connecting flights was canceled. He was able to handle that situation all on his own. Well, that requires a fair bit of thinking in the moment and not panicking and looking at alternatives and moving forward. And he was able to do that. So these are skills that can be learned. Right, and practiced and put into play. Absolutely. There was a there been a number of studies on what produces happiness in the in employment. And there are two that I've really landed on and one of them is that people are really happy when they are able to work to their strengths. So that would be something else that I would also recommend to people on the autism spectrum is look at what you're really good at, what your strength is and and really really focus on that and get really good at that. Then the other is that they have a sense of belonging in the workplace. So this is something that through the training that Focus does at our client sites and our ongoing support, we we want our employees to feel welcome, not marginalized, uh, but feel welcome inside the client work site and for there to be ongoing interactions happening. At one of our client sites, we told our employees that there would be a lot of interaction with the client because it was an agile environment methodology that was being employed through the development project and there was very little documentation. So everything would be through oral communications. My staff initially were like, oh no, like will you be there with us? <laughs> and I said, well, initially, but after a while, no. So fast forward a few months and those same employees are saying that what they enjoy most in the job, as well as enjoying the, the tasks that they perform, is that they really enjoy the interactions with the client. So they overcame one of their fears, you know, and that was interacting with other people. So I dropped in at that particular client site, and yeah, there's people coming and going with my staff all the time, chatting with them. It's like a, a regular normalized work situation. Yeah, so I appreciate the both the resiliency and the capacity to learn, adapt, and apply that the, that the folks you're working with, you, you know, your team members are, are demonstrating. Do you have any tips that you would give employers who, who say, no, I can't find talent and whatever? Yeah, I know, like, it's, it's well known in, um, in, in STEM jobs, and IT is, you know, a STEM job. It's difficult find that ideal candidate, you know, that university grad with five years of experience. You know, that person is just getting harder and harder to find. So I suggest looking into untapped talent pools. You know, be open and curious about non-traditional options. Think in terms of strengths and and aptitudes and applicants rather than their abilities to market themselves in an interview 
and your perception of a cultural fit in your organization. Just let those go by the wayside and, and really look at the applicant and think about their aptitudes and can they do the job. If you're in the lower mainland, Vancouver, you know, and you're looking for IT talent, you've got the option of starting, you know, taking small baby steps by employing contracting with Focus and testing the waters. You don't have to be a Microsoft or an SAP to, to find out how this works. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Good point. Where can people get more information? Well, um, we have a website. It's focusps or professionalservices.ca. And on our homepage, we have a video. We just released it um, a month ago, and we've had wonderful feedback on it. It's, it's under three minutes long, and I really do suggest that you watch it. We've got some of our staff and one of our clients on that video, and it really does tell the story. It does. I've watched it. So, Carol, I want to thank you for being on the program today. Did what I did? I did. We miss anything? Is there anything that you'd like the listeners to know that we did not cover? We covered quite a bit, Donna, and and I'm sure that I'll I'll get off the call and I'll think, oh no, there is this and this and this. But <laughs> you know, maybe maybe there will be other opportunities. <laughs> yeah, we can always pick that up later. I think I think we're on a topic here that's really relevant in a world where. There's a lot of untapped talent, and it's largely been because it's been overlooked. It's not; it doesn't conform to the norm, and we're well beyond that part in place in in in, um, in human evolution and consciousness and business. So, this is I appreciate what you're doing; is extremely exciting, and I'm definitely looking forward to having another conversation with you. Not only that, but also in person because we can do that. So, yes, absolutely, because we're both in the same city. This that's that would be wonderful, Donna. For a change. I mean, I have gone to London to meet with people like Peter Cook and other people that have been on my, and, and Stelio in Italy, Stelio Rosera for Cocoon, Cocoon Project. So, so you, you, you do get there eventually, but it's, uh, it's always nice to do face-to-face. So thanks again. Well, thank you, Donna. I'm Donna Jones. I bring clarity and insights to workplaces and situations where complexity has taken over and it's really hard to see the forest for the trees. I also bring the understanding of how to work with complex systems from a change management point of view because it's a completely different system than what most organizations use and therefore it's much faster and much more fun and much more engaging and it lasts. Decision makers gain greater clarity on how to work with shifting perspectives in complexity so that you can see things more clearly and find those serious leverage points that where a little effort goes a long way. Or reach out to me at uh, www.fromInsighttoaction.com Find me on Twitter, EP Donna, D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones, and or email me at Donna, D-A-W-N-A, from InsightAction.com. Thanks very much for joining me.